Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road. And that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. This is the RTGA podcast. Uh, my name's Rory O'Neill. I don't actually know who I'm stepping in for, but I think it might be Jackie uh, this week after a bank holiday weekend where it felt like we robbed the bank and the loot really served up by the hurlers of Limerick and Clare in another epic. Clare, simply magnificent. Limerick's first defeat in four years. That says all you need to know about the Jolly Green Giants. The Munster Hurling Championship, both bristles and boasts. Revel while we can. Shane, can we just have Limerick and Clare play every week? Yeah, maybe that's what I suppose it would be, to be nice, right, yeah? But, uh, so it's, look, I, I think it was, it's what we were hoping for, lads, you know. Um, everybody was was hoping that this uh, was reaction from Clare was coming um, from what happened against Tip, you know, gift, gifting us the few goals and all that. And then we were hoping, like, you know, the crowd-wise, it was unbelievable. Um, Limerick, you know, were they, were they, did they seem tired after the Waterford game? I, I think we could talk about it in a minute. I I, I felt they did. Um, I felt for the first time in a long time, they were they were almost second-guessing how they were going to work the ball out. And I, I suppose we haven't seen it in a while. And I, I, just, feel, I just felt that that was maybe down to tiredness. Maybe it's down to... Uh, maybe it's down to the way the league the league went from this year. You know, getting to the final and um, lots of training, lots of games. They won't use that as an excuse, like they won't. But um, I just think you know, from like a human nature side of things, like you you're you're playing loads of games, and um, the training is hard, and everybody that plays you lads is is playing their all Ireland final. Like everybody, like Watford, like did Watford play their all Ireland final last week and then had nothing for. For you down in Cork, like, and hmm. not left, like, you know, and um, did like our player after doing the same, but 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 the saving grace, lads, is no match now for two weeks, like, you know, can can recuperate, like, so uh, I, I know we'll get into it and everything, but like, I, I suppose the team I'm maybe most worried about now, uh, maybe is my own county tip, like, because Limerick now have three weeks off, like, to regroup, recharge get things right, which a lot of things obviously need to be gotten right. And their next game then is tip, like, you know, they'll be coming to Turles for it, like, so just, I I, I, I think there's a lot to talk about. I think, look, I, I, I have to say we're on about ref watch and everything. I think Cullum Lyons did a good job talking to people for Limerick. He thought, they thought, oh, maybe there was a couple of things. <laughs> but, you know, you're never going to keep everyone happy, like, mm. well, as a ref. So there's no point. But I tell you what, uh, from where I was in Turles in the Limerick-Watford match, it got out of hand very, very quickly, and and a lot of stuff went on. Whereas at the start of this game, I thought Cullum did a really good job, Rory. Yeah, I thought he controlled it well, given the atmosphere that was there first of all, and with the. And he got the squ- I thought I, he ended up got he get did he get the square ball right in the end? It, you look, he did. If you look at the at, at the split shot of it, like I suppose Flanagan is is. His foot is on the edge of the square as the ball is coming in. That's the rule. You can't be in the square when the ball is, is coming in. He's, he's not like, and um, he consulted with his own players. But even the small things that like he laid down the marker from the very, very start, showed one yellow card, I think, and he just said, Right, that's not going to happen here now today. And I just thought 
he handled it well, spoke to the players well, um, as sport officials, everything. So look, well done, Cullum Lines in that regard. But look, um, it's obviously blows it wide open, lads. If if I just say one thing quickly, lads, before you jump in, you talk like say I was looking at the the shots like that that Limerick would would, would get off normally like in games, right? And it'd be uh, you know it'd probably be up around the fifties, right? And their their percentage would probably be up around the sixty or seventy percent. This is when they're they're ticking now. Like the other day, um, in the fourth quarter now, and talk about tiredness now, maybe just creeping in and and in, and intensity in the fourth quarter, last fifteen minutes of the game, Limerick got off nine shots, okay, compared to Clare got off sixteen shots, and then Clare outscored them nine nine scores to six scores in that time. So for me, Clare finished stronger. They did more in the tank. They were they, they looked fresher, and you know, I don't know, let's do you agree or not? No, I just think Limerick. They just looked a bit tired the other day. Joined by Michael Foley from the Sunday Times as well. Mike, Michael, what you make of it? Yeah, <clears throat> I'd be kind of along the same lines as Shane in terms of Limerick. Like, the thing about it is that, you know, you can be the greatest team, you know, or, or, or you know, tilting to be to be crowned one of the greatest teams of all time by winning four in a row. And it's, it's all well and good for us out here to kind of go, yeah, that's, you know, they're going to do this and they're going to do that and do the next thing. But they're the guys who have to live the life, you know. They have mm. to... You know, outside of the games, they have to look after themselves. They have to kind of um, get themselves in the mental frame to kind of perform and physically and all the rest of it. And like, you know, I said it at the start of the championship in the paper, like that the two things that were probably going to come against Limerick, if anything was going to come against them, was either injuries or boredom. Like injuries, obviously, right? But also just the boredom of having to live the life. Not kind of what's left. There are no more lands left to conquer for Limerick, really. So... You know, and you put you put that on top of the game schedule they had. Like people were really, you know, okay, whatever way Kilkenny played in the league final, people were very impressed with Limerick in the league final. Like they've been they've been going nicely. You know, it's been game on game. Uh, and of all teams, like of of all teams that were going to put it up to Limerick, it was going to be Clare. I mean, quite apart from the Munster final last year, if you look back over the Kylie era, I think Clare have the best record of the Sam of of the Lee McCarthy teams against against Limerick. Um, in terms of just you know victories, draws, whatever. Um, so you know, and they don't like. I mean, I think John Conlon and a couple of more of them spoke about it after the game. They don't have that sort of inbuilt kind of fear, if you like, of or that kind of sort of when Limerick get on top of them, they're gone kind of feeling because they know them so well. Like they've grown up in each other's pockets between just hurling against each other, hurling with each other, living with each other, college, blah, 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 blah. So, like, that that was always in their favour. Um, From a Limerick point of view, I think, look, nothing, not a whole lot changes. Saturday night was more about Clare. That's the other thing as well. Clare were up against the wall that, that last, last Saturday night. Like, if Clare hadn't delivered something, and keep in mind, this is a this is it's a few year project now for Clare under Brian Lohan, and they've had moments where they've pushed forward and had great wins, but you know it's still it's still they're kind of still in that area, aren't you? Sort of space, you know. So they had to deliver something, um, at you know performance a result number one really because you just had to win, and the performance obviously had would would inevitably come with it when you're playing Limerick. Limerick looked Limerick looked tired to me. Like Shane mentioned, the shots there. So that 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 matches up. Like six out of nine is is what they'd be getting, you know, over the course of a game. They're not getting as many shots off. That's fatigue. That's also down to Clare, obviously putting putting the squeeze on them. I really like the way Clare went after their their strong areas as well. It's the old cliche about hammering the hammer. Like you know, you don't stand back from 
if you can if you can take out your opponent at the knees at their strongest point, uh, well then you're you're a long way along the way, or at least put doubt in their heads about that strongest point. So it was a great performance from Clare. The the few weeks will benefit Limerick immensely. Get some injuries healed. Have a bit of a just a reflection themselves about where they're at. There's no doubt. I mean, I think it's impossible for any team, and I'm sure the Dublin footballers would have been the same yesterday. There's no way that that it's 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 not the media at all. I think that gets into your head. It's just general life going into shops, doing your work. Fellas saying to Ash, if I hand you, just that was handy against Waterford last weekend, wasn't it? And blah blah blah. And having to just deal with that sort of noise around you, you know, it doesn't make Limerick. I don't think any less uh, strong favors to win in All Ireland in my eyes, anyway. But it just it's just a nice handy dose of reality. It's better to get it now than later on in the competition. Put it that way. Owen, Owen Ryan from online is with us as well. Owen, would it be the case though that pre-competition maybe Limerick play to their sort of normal pitch and maybe a lot of the other counties during the league might have lulled certainly the general public into a false sense by playing slightly below themselves and not taking the league as seriously and what we're seeing now is a fairer reflection on the competitive nature of the Munster Hurling Championship. Quite, quite possibly. I mean, what was interesting was that last year Limerick seemed to take the league very lightly mm. and train during it and then really peak for the championship. Whereas this year they seemed to be going harder earlier. And I think there was some talk that that was actually player driven, that the players wanted to go back training earlier, that they wanted to win the league again this year. And now it's looked almost like Limerick had cracked the code and everybody else said, OK, we'll do it that way. But now Limerick have decided to do it the other way. And, and everyone's caught up a bit, which is interesting. I think um, I think the Waterford game probably took a lot out of Limerick the first day, winning that physically. And Clare have kind of maybe shown that the way you beat Limerick is by playing the way Limerick play, by thundering into lads, by swarming them. So they've had two games in a row where the opposition has done that, done that to them. And... I thought it was interesting there that Shane and two more and probably two more to go. But <laughs> probably two more to go. But I thought it was interesting there that Shane said he was worried for a tip because Clare lost to tip the first day, but they didn't get battered physically by tip. So they were probably a bit fresher. Our tip will tip be able to batter Limerick the way Waterford and Clare have. Mm. And then there's another question which is more, you know, kind of a general debate is that watching that game, it was it's constant high arm tackles, lads running the ball into contact. It's in some ways, some games are hurting. They're getting like rugby with sticks. Like, is that what we want? Yeah, it's a fair point, I suppose. I mean, I don't know. I thought in fairness, the spirit of the whole thing was fed into quite well, as Shane mentioned at the start in relation to Cullum lines. I thought he's a good, he's a good authority. He seems to have a good relationship with the players and it was definitely refereed with a, with a better sense. But there were a couple of head high tackles across the weekend again, Shane, weren't there? I mean, is this, is this being taken seriously? Or is, is, it, is it a big deal? It, it, it probably, like say, it happened in Nolan Park yesterday, lads, didn't it really? Mm. Which, I suppose, it did, that yeah. Realish, yeah. That, that incident. It probably is going to need a red card, I'd say. And um, no more so than there. We, we wasn't too much talk about the hand passing there last weekend because um, yeah. maybe they've, you know, maybe the refs have talked about it to date now and maybe they just, they just feel that they're going to try and get a handle of it or maybe that they have. So maybe now are they going to move? Is the focus this week going to be on, as you said, the head high tackles? There was there was some you know some third man tackles, but I'd say it's going to take a red card for it to really sink in. I think. 
Um, and it probably will take a red card in a a, a big game, a high-profile game. Um, and it's probably going to happen, have to have to happen soon, lads. And um, there has been several incidents now. And I suppose have has the helmets, lads. Have they like since the mandatory and compulsory wearing of the helmets? Do lads look at a helmet now as a kind of a, a safety Tar- cage around as the a target? <laughs> no doubt about it. Right, and go. What is here now? You know, this ball is dropping. You know, and I've been involved in games where I've seen that, like all Ireland finals, even right, and. You know, whereas before, without the helmets, you were like looking at a lad, and you were like, "Oh, geez, if I if I catch him here now, this could be this could be serious." Like, whereas compared to even NFL type stuff, I'm not talking about the hits now, but I'm talking about you look at how well they're padded, and you feel, you know, the the hits are just big because they're padded. Like, and are has the helmet kind of nearly done that for us? Like in hurling terms, that the, the hits that are going in, you know, targeting lads head height with your shoulder with your hurley and you just feel yeah look the helmet should should save it somehow so maybe maybe that's a factor lads. I, I don't know what you think I think, I think there's no doubt I, I think there's no doubt but the helmets are a factor and and you know there's a couple of things come, come to mind I mean the reality about helmets as well by the way is that a helmet is is a helmet is no protection to your brain like you 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 get a bang like the ones we're talking about a helmet isn't going to a helmet doesn't reduce the shock uh, to your head and your brain. Okay, it's it's not that's not how that's not what a helmet's for. That's not how it works. But that's how it that is how it's probably perceived. Not that lads are even thinking that way. We're thinking it's an extra layer of protection. It gives me license to go a bit harder again. Right. That's that's no doubt. I, I don't think there's any doubt how 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 that's that's how fellas' minds would work in the white heat of battle. The other thing as well is like when you're training for however many months with the highest level of science and strength and conditioning being poured into you. You're gonna to want to use that strength, like. So what's the, what's the point in having it if you don't use it? So there's there's that element to it as well. So I think I, I Shane is right. Like I mean, it's going to take a red card. There was a very interesting piece last week in the Irish Times by Sean Moran on this, and he he compared it a little bit to the head high tackles in rugby and how how rugby you often see in a rugby game now uh, a high tackle and a red card being being issued, and there's a lot of debate over whether it should have happened or not. But they are dealing with the principle of the of the of the foul, you know. They're dealing with the principle that this is a dangerous um, practice in the game that we want to get rid of. And if that means there's some dubious red cards, they're kind of just. It's, okay it strikes that, me yeah. that they're just going with it. They're just going. They're just going to take it. And there's a slightly different sort of appeals culture in rugby, you know. So they they're just driving on with it. Hurling's going to have to be the same at some point. There are going to be red cars that's going to have to be flashed and there's going to be meal and murder about it because you're going to go, well, how come you give that? And it, the man in Nolan Park... Oh, the water boat re- will start. The be un- it'll be unreal. And the appeals will come and all the rest of it. So it's something the GA is just going to have to and the referees are going to have to kind of make a decision. Are we going to go after this or not? Thing on the hand pass, I think there was a directive given out just before the championship about hand passes again to referees to say this is something you need to watch and clamp down on. So... um. I mean, I haven't been doing much hand pass watch now, I'll be honest, but uh, there was no, one they're or two. All they're all yeah, yeah. I, I was, like, like Michael, I was watching, I was watching the under-20s matches, the under-20s match, and this is the real issue for them because it's endemic now and it's that's yeah. a really hard thing to shift. 
I mean, Cork were playing Limerick and Tipperary were playing Waterford on Friday night, and they're all throwing it. Everyone's ball, yeah. everyone's throwing it. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, look, that's probably an argument and a discussion for another day. I think where referees are going to run into a few problems is they can't. the The higher up the food chain we go in terms of the importance of the game, it's going to be a brave ref that blows well, for one. But in you, the, need, you need you need as well. The problem is that rugby has the sighting system. Yeah. If the ref misses something, they'll come back and they'll say that should have been a red. We had the situation where the Seamus Flanagan incident um, against Waterford. The ref had seen it, thought it was accidental at the time. So under rule, no, the CCCC can't give a punishment. Mm. So that's that's a fundamental problem with the rules, that if something glaring is missed, it can't be corrected after. Well, they that can goes only, back. They can, only, they can only act if the ref said he didn't see it. Yeah, and that's on that specific point, that goes back to the fundamental problem of our own respect for referees. Because one of the reasons why that rule is still in play that the, if the referee is seen to have dealt with it, that's it. That's to try and support the referee in his job to the point that if he misses something, but it's deemed to have been dealt with, we move we move on. Which is obviously there's a weakness, but that's to me that's that's a fundamental. If you can't have a sighting system. That's that's respected and isn't seen to be undermining the referee on the day. Well, then you've got an enormous problem in a sport. So, like that's mm. look at that's a whole other issue around respect for referees. But like it's it's a kind of a they're all links in the chain. They're all links. All all kind of connected. Up. We'll stay in Munster, Shane, and we move on to Sunday. And it was a game that look did it ever catch fire? Would you call it a game? Would you call it a game? <laughs> no, probably not. I mean, no score from play for Waterford in the opening quarter. Twenty-eight minutes until they got a score from play of any type. Um, it was the game was probably busted by half time. The Cork fullback had more scores from play than the entire Waterford forward line in the first half. You know, which I think probably spoke volumes for it. Um, what can be taken from this from a Cork perspective, Shane, and then where to now for Watford? Well, I think Cork will take the confidence from it that what they were trying to do worked. Regardless if the team they were playing were either so tactically unaware or so absolutely drained from the week before. I, I don't know, like, but I mean, I think I think it's summed up by this lad, right? This this alone, right? And I was just, I suppose as a midfielder playing myself, and I was watching, I wanted to see how Darrell Fitzgibbon is going to react here without playing competitive hurling up, up to the game, okay? I thought he was mad at the match, by the way. By the eighth minute of the game, okay? So did I. By the eighth minute of the game, Rory, right? Eight minutes now. He'd five shots taken at the goal. Hmm. He'd three points scored. He'd one wide and one drop shot. Jesus Christ, let's. Hmm. I wouldn't, I would there's no way I was getting five, as a midfielder, getting five shots off in a whole match. He was getting five shots off in eight minutes. And that, that for me, and we can go through everything else and you say everything you want, that sums up the space he was given, the intensity to tackle. Now, this was playing against some uh, defence who had a sweeper like, And the, the, the areas of grass that they were finding, and I just think you could go through all their scores, 10 different scores, the way they used the ball, the way they spread the ball, the way they exploited the space, to be able to exploit space against the team who play defensively, just for me showed up. For me showed up that this this was a non-contest, and I I I think Tip will be happy enough because they're going to bring a, a massive intensity to this in comparison to what Watford didn't. And um, Davy summed it up himself afterwards. He he, he said it, it was, he said it was terrible. He he passed the comment. He said there's a lot of damage emotionally from last year, 
um, or from the victory or from the losses. Like, I don't know who that was aimed at. Like, if, if that's aimed at that the current tip manager, um, that'll be another little maybe bit of spice to the fire for when they meet in a few weeks. So I just think, look, as you could go through everything, that, that for me sums it up. One guy is getting off five shots inside eight minutes. He's a midfielder. Um, Cork dominated every sector. I don't think any for player. Jack Prendergast tried to take a fight to them. But it was it was a non-contest. And like, I suppose we a few weeks ago, and me, myself included, we spoke about maybe how boring games were getting because Limerick were dominating. Like, and like, yesterday was boring because Swafford, they just brought nothing like. They brought mm. nothing to the table. It can only get better for them. But lads, it ha- it, like, talk about getting better for them. They're minus 11 now on the scoring difference. They've lost the head-to-head against two teams already. It's only the 1st of May. They want to qualify. They need to win. But they need to win by, maybe win a match by 12 or 13 points, lads. And is that going to happen? It's hard to see it. It's hard to see mm. it. So, Cork can take the confidence from what worked. Watford, it can only get better. Jesus, it has to. Um, so, and look, and one, one thing I have to say, lads. In 2008, we played Cork down in Parky Cueve. And it was a massive day for us as a group. And I'm delighted to say that in years to come, I was on the pitch when Patrick Horgan made his debut. Um, and I'm nearly sure on that, Michael and Rory, and maybe one yeah. of you might be better yeah. that, but I'm nearly no, sure. No, that, you're spot on. 2008, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I am I am well finished now. And uh, to see that man there yesterday, eight points, you know, be it six from freeze, obviously he's still the best free taker. And he, he just stood up there yesterday. But again, you know, he, I think I think he's turning 35 this week. Um, right, right. There you go, and you know him better than you. You maybe have the old birthday symbol on the, on the Snapchat for him as well there. So uh, <laughs> I just think that, you know, even even the space he was afforded. Look, Michael and Rory, I, I, I'm I sure you'd agree with me like this. Like, like Cork, they got what they needed out of it, but they know there was... Do you know what it was like? It was like opening the field, wasn't it? but can i ask you michael yeah that like before a ball was poked watford knew their entire season would hinge on last week's game and and the game yesterday so this notion that's been put out there or oh, they were tired or they were drained or they were mentally this i mean they knew their season like they knew their season was effectively wrapped up in a six-day nutshell do you buy that as an excuse? Well, or, it, or, or is it the case they're just simply the weakest team in Munster? I think there's that to it. I think that's the fundamental, actually. But like, yeah, what do you do? Like, I mean, they, I mean, when you go out in the first your first game against Limerick, right? So you, I suppose you have a choice. It's very hard when you're Waterford. Like, it's very hard because they're wrong. I'm thinking their wrong Robin record is so awful. It's not that you can start to go, well, we're going to go against Limerick, but we're really going to put all our eggs in the Cork basket. We're going to go out and we're going to give it what, give it Holly against Limerick, but we're kind of going to chalk it down, see how it goes kind of thing. But we're going to, we're really looking at Cork, you know, because if you take a tanking against Limerick in the first day, you know, and you're holding back for Cork, well, Jesus, you're really up against behind the eight ball, you know, but I suppose they're up against, they were behind the eight ball either way anyway. I mean, for me, coming into last Sunday, it, it struck me without wanting to over-egg it, but I do. I, I did really think it was a defining day for both teams. Like, obviously for Waterford, mathematically and all the rest of it, they had to win. Uh, but also for Cork to see what they were going to look like. I mean, down here, trying to predict the team last week was like trying to pick a lot of numbers. Like, it was just, 
you know, what whatever you're having yourself. And uh, and then you wanted to see their attitude and you wanted to see how they would stand up. If I was very impressed with Waterford the previous week, I thought they got a lot right. I thought, you know, there was a lot, a lot, a lot to like about them. Obviously, losing Tiger Burke was an enormous loss, but still in all, there was enough about them, you know. And they seemed to have, even against Limerick, they had a little bit coming off the bench and stuff. So you're kind of going, this will be interesting. They can bring it. But like I'm old enough to remember Waterford, Cork doing absolutely terrible things to Waterford. Yeah. Back to decades, really terrible things. And this was as bad, only without the goals. We just didn't yeah. get goals. Um. So from I, 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 you're that's a very long roundabout way to answer your question. I, it may well have been a factor that they were fatigued, but it it can't be an excuse. Yeah. Because it's your, this is your season right here now, right mm. here, right now on the thirtieth of April. Right, this is your season, and it's a it's the winnable game for you. It really is the winnable game going to Cork uh, against a Cork team who aren't entirely sure of themselves. Like Dara Fitzgibbon is a, is the perfect example. I mean, Dara is coming off a long injury spell. He's playing at midfield. You know, let's 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 see what let let let, let let's see what it's all about there. You know, let's 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 test them. And as 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 Shane pointed out, he absolutely has a feel. I was actually, I didn't, I was trying to get, I, I was, I have two small lads here that wanted to go to the game and I was trying to, I couldn't get tickets for it during the week for the stand. So I ended up watching it on TV mm. and uh, the the graphic flashed up after a few minutes saying how many shots. I I was kind of aware that he had, he had started well, but when the graphic flashed up with the amount of shots and score, I was like, Jesus Christ, mm. what's going on? Like that, that in itself told you something about the intensity that Waterford were not bringing to the game. And the whole thing, just fell asunder. I wonder, I mean, I was, talk, I was talking to Jamie Barron a few weeks ago and he kind of made the point, he said that in his, in his mind, it was a three-year project for Waterford starting out, right? Which I think is always an interesting thing for a guy who's 29 years of age to say. Um, but he, he, I got the impression from what he was saying, he said they were trying a lot of things, some things were working, some things weren't. I get the impression that they're, they're possibly trying to take in an awful lot of information and they're in a, possibly playing a very prescribed system for a, for a given day. So when it goes scareways, it's very hard to reverse back out of it possibly because they're not quite at the point where they fully get the nuances of what they're being asked to do. That's just now, I'm not trying to make excuses for them because bottom line, they brought none of the energy, the basic energy you need to bring to a championship game where your entire season is on the line. But like they're in a they're in a they're in a dreadful position now. Cause I mean, I, I think they're I, they're not gonna get I don't I can't see them getting out of Munster unless there's unless there's some kind of a dramatic collapse coming from two teams that seem to be going quite well that they have yet to play. So, yeah, bad a bad day. But the, again, whatever the result, it's again, it's the performance, unfortunately, that will stick with them. Um, and and that's that's the big problem for them. And that was the problem with them not getting those couple of goals. They probably would have oh, lost. Yeah. lost anyway, but it was the scoring difference. But, yeah. Two, two of the, it's mad. We've only had three round robins already, which before, which is nuts. It feels like it's been there for years, but with COVID. But... Two of the three times before, four points was enough. So, so you're not gone with two defeats, but when you need to make up the score difference as well. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. And they've no home games, and I think that'll probably count against them. We better shift on because time is starting to tick, and we'll move to Leinster. Um, just one point, actually, that I think in a general sense, which I just thought was quite interesting. Goalkeepers. The amount of goalkeepers over the weekend point blank saves, body shots, body blocks, getting flicks, whether it was Scruff Murphy, whether it was Nicky Quaid, Patrick Collins yesterday, we saw Billy Nolan make an incredible save as well. It was actually, like, I, I sometimes people, I wonder, Shane, do people actually realise how hard that slitter is when you get a, when you get a shot of it into the chest or off the legs or whatever it might be? And obviously goalkeepers 
But nowadays, they use their body nearly more than the hurley to try and block a shot. And I just thought some of the some of the saves that some of the goalkeepers made across the weekend, you know, the save from Scruff yesterday, the one from Nicky Quaid on Saturday night, incredible stuff. Yeah, two best goalies in the game, both outfield players. Suppose it's something to look at maybe for mm. the for the rest of the team. Like, uh, like old Murphy plays outfield with his, with his club, I believe, and like Nicky Quaid definitely plays outfield with his club, and they both play colleges hurling out the field. So they're just real risky hurlers. They're, you know, their their reflexes are second to none. But you know, puck outs and everything, they're very comfortable on the ball. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think people maybe realize the bravery of it. Like, there's not many of bravery. Events. You know, even when you're down training, down training with your club or like that, and the lad comes inside the twenty-one, you nearly step out of the goals and just let him put it into the empty net. Like you, you would, like, it's just, you're not going to take this on, you know. Um, like um, my my like you know, I, I just I see the club level now and everything. Like you know, a lot of the goalies they're no more so than uh, the players out the field where we, we have the helmets and everything. I mean, majority of goalies now are. They have to have the cup on as well, like you know, just for for, mm. for safety reasons, like yeah. because you know we, we we've seen what can happen, you know, if if if, if you get a belt of a slitter there. So look, the bravery they have, the reflexes they have, you know, the individual training they would do, these guys would do, the top level guys would do away from the rest of the group, and um, you know, while the rest of the group are doing these things, and I think that's where good management comes in as well, lads. That you know, a good management team will look right. I do. Do I really need my goalkeeper over here now? Um, doing you know doing eight hundred, six hundred, and four hundred meter runs? I probably don't. Like, no. I mean, if if Stephen Clarkson's forty one and can play in goals in football, you know what I mean. It it needs to be specific to your position, doesn't it? I think that's what I think that's where the 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 best lads have gone above the rest in. Like they're they're doing so much training specific to their position, reflex stuff, diving, you know. Um, you know, using different color codes, like you know, maybe getting drills, lads, from the from the professional soccer goalkeepers. Maybe getting drills from um these these other other sports to say how are you working on agility, how are you working reflexes, and as you said, the two best in the in the country at the moment for me, Owen Murphy and Nicky Quaid, um, all round goalkeepers. Like I think it comes down to the bravery these guys show as well. You know, to to just put the bodies on the line each and every time. So. Yeah, you know, top top class performances from a, from a lot of the goalies there over the weekend, Roy. And staying with uh, Shane and relation to Galway Kilkenny, Jackie mentioned on the live show here, I think he described it as watery enough and it did feel very loose. And know, kind of a game broke out in the, the last five or the last, certainly the last 10 minutes where there was a bit of a scramble and you weren't exactly sure, you know, how the game would, would, would finish up. But what was your read on a chain, Galway Kilkenny yesterday? Yeah, yeah, I just... Yeah, I just thought I'd say they're both happy enough with the draw. Um, maybe felt more like a loss for the Kilkenny boys and the Galway boys. But I think it just, again, no more so in the Cork game. I think you get to the 56th minute of the game and it, the score is 26 points to Kilkenny, 118 to Galway. And after that, then Kilkenny only scored two more points in a game that had worked worked out actually extra time-wise and everything, or at a time, 20 minutes to go. So... There probably wasn't that ruthlessness there. There probably wasn't that mindset of we actually have to win today. And, um, you know, Kilkenny looked a more comfortable team, as I said. Like, they were, they were six points up at one stage. And I suppose it did take Galway until the sixth minute of injury time with, with that wonder score from Dexter McLaughlin to get it back. So I'd say they're both happy enough coming away. Um, I think Kilkenny would have got would have got lots out of it as regards what they're about, even without Billy Billy Drennan and Paddy Deegan. I thought outstanding performances around the field again. Owen Cody, captaincy is really, really suiting him. Six points. 
I think Hugh Lawler is is class lads. I just I I love what he's about in defence. Um, you know, Derek Parker getting him back to wing back, I think is, is a great move as well. So they'll take lots of confidence from it. Henry will look at it as I suppose as I I'd say Henry probably look at it as point gained rather than maybe Derek Ling might look at it as a, as a point lost. But um, with the way they they clawed it back, they didn't get brilliant performances from their marquee forwards guys like maybe Connor Cooney, Connor Whelan, Evan Nyland compared to what he did against Wexford. They're a bit more subdued. So look, they'll have lots of things to work on there. Their next games are Westmeath for Galway and Antrim for Kilkenny. And um, so look, they'll be looking at those as, as two pointers as well, lads. So I think they're both fine, lads. I think they're both happy enough. They're going to be in the Leinster final. It'll be a dog fight for third. So yeah, Rory, I'd agree. I just especially the last twenty minutes there, I thought was it got kind of loose enough, maybe you know. What did you think, Mick? Yeah, like the first thing that struck my my eyes was the crowd. I think it was ten or eleven thousand at it. Like just compared to, I mean, there was a combined total of whatever sixty thousand at the matches in Munster. But like Galway Kilkenny are two teams that you'd say. Full Fair house. chance they'll, they'll be in the last four, like, of the All-Ireland, you know? So it's your first chance to go out and have a look at them in championship. And, well, it's not your first t- chance, sorry, but it's, it's the first time you see them playing each other. Uh, and <clears throat> even notwithstanding the point that they more, more likely will be in the Leinster final, they could well they could well meet again further along beyond that. Who knows? Like, I just thought it was a pathetic crowd, to be honest, ten or 11,000 inside there. And it, look, the whole thing was just flat and quite dull. Um, like, the... The thing for Kilkenny, I, I I thought coming into the game, it was going to be oh, a defining game in any way, shape, or form. But it would tell you something about it would tell you something like in in the sense of like it strikes me that Kilkenny must be looking at that middle cohort of 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 hurlers, kind of you know well into their careers now, mid late twenties, and kind of going all right, where are the leaders going to come from here? Because I mean, they got close to Limerick last year. Uh, whatever about I I don't think I I think the league final, I, I'm not so sure. They really went full throttle to try and pull that game back. Um, so you're kind of going, okay, where where are the hurlers here that are going to give them the edge, that leadership element that possibly they need just to drag, to turn those tight matches into victories, you know, those really big ones. And, you know, to be honest with you, that last five or 10 minutes when when they didn't, when they had that lead and they didn't, they didn't get there, that would be a slight source of concern to me playing at home. Like, okay, this just re-emphasizes for me the point that they're, possibly lacking leaders around the field when the crunch really comes. Because there, was, there wasn't a whole lot of crunch about yesterday, but if there was any bit of a crunch, it was right, can we close the game out at the end here? And they didn't. Galway did well without, again, as Shane said there, without their marquee forwards really flying. I'd say Henry would be well happy to go down there and get a draw, get out of there without any great drama. And uh, as you said, they'll, they'll wander on now to a Leinster final. And I'm sure the temperature, surely to God, the temperature will ratchet up a fair bit the next time they meet and we'll have a better a better sense of them both after that. You, you certainly would hope so. And obviously big wins for uh, Dublin and Wexford as well. So their game in round three is going to be key, but we're going to have to leave hurling there, lads. And thanks a million, Shane. And when we come back, yeah, we're going to be joined by Lee Keegan and we're going to be pouring over a blockbuster weekend in the football championship. Welcome back. Delighted to be joined by Lee Keegan and Niall McCoy of RTE Online and obviously RTE's bright and shiny new pundit. Welcome, gents. Just going to get straight into it, really, in the Leinster Football Championship. And yesterday, I suppose, Lee, did we... Like, a lot of people were 
heading to Croke Park yesterday, there was a small crowd. There mightn't have been a huge amount expected from Kildare in the end. They are going to compete in the Sam Maguire anyway. Um, did they give a better account of themselves than what people may have felt they were capable of in advance? Um, definitely. Um, I was one of them that probably tipped Dublin by 10 plus um, based on the back of the demolition of Leash, which probably didn't tell us a lot. But there's kind of two combinations that I probably... Kildare were, you know, they were very competitive, but Dublin were very lacklustre. Uh, it's probably the worst I've seen them in a long time. Um, very uncharacteristic. Had 11 wides and turned over a lot of ball, which is not really Dublin-like. And it's probably the worst performance I've seen Dublin in, in a year, to be honest. Um, th- like there's only a couple of positives for me. was Paul Manning, three points. Uh, you get a bit more game time with him. And Jack McCarthy, a bit of a spark when he came on at halftime to, to lighten things up. But... From a clear perspective, they'd be really disappointed, I think, because they had a great opportunity to actually take the game. Um, like It was only after the 64th minute where Dublin actually led for the first time. So that just shows you how tight the actual game was. But for me, they didn't have enough creativity. Outside of Ben McCormack, their all-star nominee last year, I thought up top, they were quite limited to what they had. They were very, they kind of brought that kind of war zone around the middle and defensively, but up top is where really essentially that they, they had six drops short in the second half. That that's crazy. Like, so listen, they'll be really disappointed. Yeah, listen, there's bright sparks, they're competitive, but for Dublin, I don't know, I can't see them with that bad again, to be honest. Mm. What did you think? Uh, what did you make of it now? Were you watching it? Uh, I caught it last night, there was in Clonus Rory, so um, through my shivering body. As I tried to dry off, I caught. I just caught the highlights. Uh, I think it's mad if you'd said to me, and like Lee, we we talked on the pod last week, and I said nothing but a a massive Dublin victory. But if you hadn't said to me Dublin would have eleven different scores, I would uh you know assume that they would have won handy. Like eleven scores from fourteen points is pretty strange in itself. Um. Yeah. 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 Fairly. I think Lee had it there. Like, Kildare uh, were excellent, and I thought Eamon's uh, analysis of their positioning and stuff on, on the Sunday game last night was very interesting. Uh, the bodies they are getting back. Dublin, there's still probably, you know, maybe 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 there is still that question mark over Dublin. Like, I thought we, we all probably assumed it steamroll everyone in Division 2, and we saw it even at Kildare, first game, the first round of the league, they weren't great, but they're were right, right, they're getting into their stride. The Clare match, Again, they had that strong finish. Um, didn't get there, beat up in Derry. They'd done enough. Um, I think for Kildare, the disappointing thing is the four subs they brought on the Flynn's, uh, Cribbin and Feely, and they're in such a good position. And that's four great players to bring on. And when you're in that power play, that good decision, and bring on those for the last 10 minutes, you're thinking, Glenn Ryan must have been thinking we're going to get over the line here. Like when you're able to bring that sort of talent from the bench, but to just that last uh, that last stretch caught them out, which is but here I, I suppose strange a strange game, but a good day for the Lancer Championship. Maybe it's maybe it's the new Ulster Championship, lads. It's a um, well, actually funny look, enough, yeah. it's like our game last year. You know when we played Kildare, you know they're they actually dominated yeah. us for large spells. Yeah, but then the stretch, then we, we caught them the half nearly. It was like, like it's like they weren't ready for it nearly with the five ten minutes left. Like they it was like it's a position they haven't been in before, and they just kind yeah. of fold a little bit because they did so much good work in the game. They did, they did, and that's a good example actually because I think for forty minutes that match looked like there was only one winner uh, last year against just like and then yeah. just when I don't know when when the heat's on and we've seen them do come down the stretch you know against Dublin and Newbridge and all and I know that's the other hot topic from the match about where the matches should be played but. 
just ask a couple of fluff lines in Crow Parks in, in game winning positions, um, which will be the biggest disappointment because they really set up and done everything. Went to plan pretty much essentially what they wanted to do, a, a perfect scenario, but they just couldn't hit the, the killer blow. Interesting choice in goal, Michael, for the dubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, what, what, what can you say? He must be going well in training, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and look, he's and, and he's there now, and he made a save last night and whatever kick out. I think, I think Kildare gave up a lot of the kick outs, um, so he didn't, he wasn't too pushed out. Well, it was, a, I think, uh, it was a couple he got away. I'd say he'll be fine. I'd say he'll do all right. Like if they leave him there, you know. Yeah, the, the occasion isn't going to phase him. Yeah. Um. So look, yeah, he's there. That's great. Um. I thought it was very strange. Like, you can't. The complacency thing doesn't count here. Like because if Dublin have been dealing with this kind of stuff for ten years, I think yesterday was the first time in ten years in a championship game in Leinster they've been behind. You know. Um. Like la la the last week against Leash. For my sins, I went back and don't worry, I did ask myself some serious questions having performed this exercise. I went back and just had a look at, at Dublin in, in the Leinster Championship and they had never scored as much uh, in a first half of a Leinster Championship game as they did last weekend or the weekend before last against Leash. Uh, certainly back to 1900 anyway, the details got a bit sketchy after that. Anyway, um, so like going into the game, what else could you possibly think only 10 points plus whatever? And, you know, I, I kind of always go, ah, oh, jeez, like, it just gives me a headache when you hear fellas coming out half was going, ah, well, you know, we knew, like, we knew, you know, that last Sunday wasn't going to come for much and coming in against Kildare, we knew what they were going to be like. Did you? Because last year they completely collapsed against you. And, like, apart from the league game, you know, they really haven't shown a, shown a thing against you for donkey's ears. So what were you expecting? So, like, you know, it's, it's, it's not good from Dublin. Like, it's really not good. And I mean, what's 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 interesting now to me is that the swings now from when they're very good, they're what we we have gone used to expecting, which we shouldn't be used to expecting anymore, really, because the team has changed a lot. But they're over here. But then the swing back when they don't play well is pretty jarring. Um, they seem to be struggling. No, well, no, they seem to be struggling to find the middle ground. I say they did actually win yesterday, so they did they they did tough it out. The thing with Kildare always, I mean, for time immemorial, is that you know. Very athletic, very physically strong. If they get the break of the ball like they did yesterday, they will physically bother you all over the field and they will dominate possession because they're very big men. Um, that bit of craft up top has always been a problem from most most of the time it's been a problem down the years. So, and again, when you when you set up your team the way they did to have the guys going off the bench, geez, they must have really thought, yeah, yeah this is it. That's That, yeah, that must have been a killer for them. Like, But like, Ooh. look, it's... I, I don't know where it leaves. To be honest with you, I'm not sure where it leaves either of them going forward. You know. Yeah. What did you make? What did you make of um, Glenn Ryan's comments afterwards, Lee, in relation to the basically the dice being loaded against everybody else in Leinster and everything stacked in Dublin's favour? Now, I think it's a fair comment, but it's not exactly a newsflash. I mean, this has probably been going on for. You know, they, they've been playing their ma all their matches in Croke Park, going back I don't know how many years. So. I do, and I suppose Glenn is probably one of the only managers vocally saying it. Um, like you have a lot of people talking about it, but don't come out in media. And he's probably getting more criticism than he is positively over it. But that's his stance on it. I mean, is it the discussion is why is Leinster allowing it happen year in year out? And um, like the the point is like, <clears throat> Dublin supporters love traveling. It's not even the case of Co Park or the players. They actually love going on the road, and they they draw such an attraction. 
So it's, it's a no-brainer why you don't go to the Port Leaches or Dr. Cullen Parks, these, these pitches, because they, they bring such hype around it. Um, even the game to Casper, we played them many times in, in Casper. Like, the crack was unbelievable. The atmosphere is electric. So I, I, I don't get why they don't try and change this. Uh, like, you had 30,000 in Cole Park yesterday, but it felt like 30. Yeah. Like atmosphere was it was it was it was just dead like Joe. You know? So the excuse the excuse generally tends to be the season ticket holders and the seats and but all like, that crack. It's, it's not an excuse anymore because it's it's the same conversation like Joe. You know? Like I mean, as a Dublin sport as well. Like what's the appeal to going to Crow Park yesterday? Like Joe, you know? as Michael rightly referenced, like we all assumed ten points. So like what what is the draw there? Do you know what I mean? So like fair play to Glenn Ryan for saying it. Um, and he was he was pretty staunch about it. I mean, you have to give him some kudos on that. Like, but is it going to do anything further than line? I don't I don't know. Like, we're, we're, we could be still having the same discussion next year in relation to Dublin Co Park, Dublin Co Park, Dublin Co Park. Did do them any favors this in Dublin's performance? Well, obviously not because they're very poor. Like, but I mean, it's the same topic year in year out. Until mm. something does something about it, I mean, we're still going to be discussing it. And you always make the point as well, Michael, that there's a very there's two distinct brands of football there's football outside of Croke Park and then there's football played in there so I suppose the more often they play there it is an advantage to them like let's Actually, be honest but should we right. known that for a long time so the, the, the best the best one of all was when they got drawn in the COVID All-Ireland Championship and they played Cavan in the All-Ireland semi-final and Dublin were actually in the away the away dressing room and James McCarthy told the story himself that he, he came out to dress room door and he turned the wrong direction because he was so used to coming out of the other dressing room. There you go. But yeah. like, the, just going back to the point about the about why Crow Park, like this really, people say, oh, the GA needs to do something about that. What they really mean is the Leinster Council needs to do something about that because for, yeah, donkeys, yeah, and to- yeah. for donkeys of years, right, the reason it's been in there is because the Cash money, the, the, the gate money goes into... A deck is dispersed. So I remember talking. I remember doing something on this years ago when the crowds were much bigger in Crow Park and talking to guy, talking to county secretaries, etc. In Carlow and Wicklow, Longford, all these places. And now, but we'll keep going to Crow Park because the money from that pays for our development stuff. It pays for our this, that, and the other. That's 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 why we keep going. When you get it down to about thirty odd thousand, there's probably a point where, like, it doesn't work anymore. And also, there is an onus on the Leinster Council to turn around to guys and go, look we can cover that shortfall in different ways. We will cover that shortfall and we will take the games out and give our championship some hope of survival because, yeah, okay, Kildare ran him close uh, yesterday. Leinster championship's dead. Dead. Uh, like That was yeah. just like a sort of a, a quick check. The doctor kind of checking the pulse. Just Is, he, is it definitely? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. It, like, so it, it's... Um, that's that's the fundamental there. And Glenn Ryan is absolutely right. I've always had a theory that in the Leinster Championship, hurling and football, there should be no matches played in there until the finals. No one should get to play in Crow Park until the Leinster finals. Because you need, number one, you should but earn you put it. that in comparison, Michael. Pardon? Like, look at Leinster, or sorry, look at Leinster and Connacht. Like, you see the appeal and attraction. Like, you know, say Clonus for the weekend. Yeah. You had a cracking atmosphere. Crack I know, like, the crowds aren't as big in Crow Park, but, like, like how electric is the Gokhtra game? You've probably seen an eye in Clonus. Like it was the the color and the crack was it was brilliant. Like and then you put that in contrast to Crow Park yesterday, where it's just flat. Mm. But oh, we're no. dr- uh, yeah, I know we're drifting a small bit now, Niall. But like even as we're heading into the draw for the Sam Maguire Cup, which is going to happen on Tuesday, yeah. we have the situation where you know it's three games in that round robin, one away, one at home, and one neutral. But Dublin will play two matches of those three in Croke Park, and a lot of that whinging will probably resurface. But 
to what end? Yeah, no, it's it was at Donegal a few years ago that yeah. you know that, that might have been Super Eight's time. I can't remember exact right, timeline, yeah, yeah. but like no one really rode in behind them at all at yeah. that stage. Like it's it's sort of taken one of them ones where you're you're going to need counties to come out in mass and really sort of for it to actually happen because. We're talking about Glenn Ryan, we're saying fair play them, but we know in two weeks it's going to be forgotten about as Dublin play two games at home. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, Crow Park's the best game in the world for me, but you see a fairly empty Crow Park, there's no colder place around. Like, and those two games you had played them in, say, in Navin or something, or packed out in Navin, like the atmosphere is just different. Like, there was 22,000 in Clonus, yes, uh, and it's Bar until the, the downpour started, it did feel like a really big occasion. The noise was brilliant. Yeah. Everywhere you looked, there was no spaces bar here or there, and it just felt completely different. It had that close provincial feel to it. And these games at Crow Park, like we had two absolutely high, highly interesting games, and it still it was flash. like bar bar a bit of noise in the loud awfully match, like it was a bit sort of it's a bit and sp- speaking of which. I mean, from a loads perspective, they must take an awful lot of encouragement from it, Lee, given the fact that they were uh, they had the game won and got reeled yeah. in and then had to go out and win it a second time in extra time. I think that shows a lot of character. And I think it's a hallmark, we'll say, of Mickey Hart teams all down through the years. And they're having an incredible season. First Leinster final since the famous one. And yeah. they're going into a minimum pot two. And they can just go in and have a cut off Dublin. Yeah, and like they've been sensational, like, and they're rightly getting the praise they deserve. Um, what I found brilliant yesterday is when Sam Roy decided not to play too regularly during the normal time, he said, You know what? <laughs> step it up. I, I think I'll go kick four points in extra time for the fun of it, just make right. sure we're just going to get through, like, Joe. You know, but, like, I actually, a guy that I looked at, Kieran Downey, was absolutely sensational said, Talk about taking Co Park by the scruff of the neck. Like, he looked like he loved every bit of it, so he did. Like kick seven points and he was just ah to talk about a brilliant performance. But like the game itself was it was a cracking atmosphere or sorry advertisement for for what we look at in terms of provincial and teams that are going at it. And you have to give credit to Offaly as well. Like they could have just you know everyone was tipping down or allowed to go really hard in this game and, and beat them quite comfortably. But Offaly had different ideas. Um and Anton Sullivan came up with an absolute crack and score in injury time to level. And I was delighted with extra time because that's what they deserved. Ran out of steam towards then, but just it was a great advertisement for football again. When you get games like this, this is the stuff we want to be talking about. We talked about the Tyrone Man game a couple of weeks on. It just it finally has a positive spin on football. I think sometimes we look at the negativity in terms of how setups are going and lateral and, and risk assess plays. You two teams yesterday who just went at it like a team that scored 27 points isn't a bad day at all at football, like, you know. So it was a great advertisement, but yeah, the work Mickey Hart's done is, is, is you just can't understate how good he is. Um, and you can just see that that group of players, like, I mean, once you lose a guy like um, Karen Byrne, one of the best players in midfield, and yet to still chip in, get results, still been competitive. So you're dead right, uh, right? They, they'll go into the, the Leinster final. They won't fear Dublin. Um, and they'll go into the, into the group stage as well. And they'll give it a right cut. You know, they're very fit. They're very strong. And, They've got some match winners there that can definitely put up the teams in, in, in the All-Ireland series. You know Mickey intimately. Well, you obviously wrote a brilliant book, uh, Michael. And, you know, was it the second book? Uh, that uh, Second book, yeah. It was the second one, which is a fantastic read, actually. Um, what? Like, how does he manage to generate such belief? I think the key thing really is you always find... I mean, it's easy 
it's not easy by the way but it's like to go into a county and to completely overhaul the entire way they go about and approach football and to <clears throat> i suppose introduce just a, a a way and a belief that they can succeed i mean where does he get like how does he instill that into teams and where does it come from um, I think uh, number one, it comes from his own conviction in what he's doing himself. I mean, no one believes in in Mickey Hart's approach more than Mickey Hart. Yeah, you know, and that's not to say he doesn't interrogate what he's doing either, like he does. But and and, and ask is it is it working, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But generally speaking, it's black and white. You know, you're either with me or, or you're against me. Uh, so there's that as, aspect to it. So I was interesting. Actually, funny you should mention the book because I remember back that time, like that's two thousand and nine. Yeah, and like. I remember him talking, and it might even be in the book actually, that he he was kind of always interested whether he could transport or try and move that sort of approach that he had with Tyrone that time, with obviously brilliant players, right? Yeah, that yeah. made everything work. But could he transport that whole culture, that whole idea of being the best you can be, and all this stuff, um, to another county at the time? I remember Westmead came up at the time because they were sort of a a team that were kind of going wellish in the late noughties, um, and Loud would fit that profile, you know, team. Oh, Loud always had good footballers and stuff like that. It was just kind of more of a, maybe a psychological thing. Maybe sometimes they kind of would lose their way here and there and they kind of fall down through the division to come up and down. But it's interesting to see, you know, that he's actually done this and and brought it across with Gavin Devlin. Look, they're, they're operating practically full-time, them boys over there. Um, they're putting enormous hours, enormous man hours into this over the last couple of years. Um, you also have the sort of Mick O'Dwyer element of it, if you like, that Hart comes in and basically, if you're playing for load, if you're not going, I mean, who are you to question what Mickey Hart asks you to do, frankly? You know, yeah, yeah. you're going to do what he asks you to do. And, you know, generally the Hart way is intense hard work, very good structure. Um, You know, I mean, I, I, I covered him, I remember this last year in the Division 3 final against Limerick. And it was very structured football. It was hard enough to watch. They played Cork last year in a qualifier that was was really bad. But like they they he was he was teaching him in a way, you know. He was teaching them in a way, and he's they've obviously evolved it again this year. Uh and now the guy, the lads are believing in it and they're buying into it. Um, and you know, no matter how much hard work you're asked to do or stuff that's outside your comfort zone, when you're winning and stuff, it all it all feeds into it. You know what I mean? And I'd say, you know. He's not necessarily the arm around the shoulder coach that people might think he is either. Like if you're in, you're in. And if you're on the fringes, you kind of might feel it. So there's that edge to it as well that's probably driving them on as well that no one would feel entirely comfortable in their skin. Even the stars, like, you know, probably would feel a certain expectation on them to to to, to play well and to deliver. So like it'll be interesting to sort of go against the dubs. I said I learned a lot from Kildare yesterday. I mean, Loud would naturally under Hart would set up deep anyway and, and try and clog up everything. And then attack as a unit, defend as a unit, and so on and so forth. But they'll probably learn a lot from that. Traditionally, like, I mean, Loud, this is not, this is not, again, I'm I'm old enough to remember Loud coming with great expectations against Dublin back, back the years and getting absolutely mullered, like really mullered. So, like, this is obviously a different era, different Loud. But, you know, they played in the league game there recently when it was all on the line for Loud and they didn't really, like, Dublin fairly well shut them down. So we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting to see what. Whether whether Loud sit in against Dublin or they go after him a little bit or what you know what balance what balance yeah. they decide to take against him in the final, you know. 
Uh, and look, good credit to Offaly. Uh, they're going in as second seeds in the Talchin Cup and I think there's still plenty of football for them to play for this year and they acquitted themselves really well. But we're going to shift on to Ulster now and we'll start with our man, Niall. You were you were there. Um, our man starting to score goals again. You know, big crowd. Everything seems to be going really well. A first Ulster final since 2008. We would imagine we're going to get a huge crowd at that. It'll be an unbelievable atmosphere. Can we get rid of the Vuvuzelas, Niall? Oh, please, uh, please, can we get rid of... Who's selling, who's selling those Vuvuzelas I, up there? <laughs> I don't know, but my wee nephew came up to me at half time, eat them at one, and I was I was going to crack it over my knee when he was in his face. Yeah. Machos and Vuvuzelas, pure. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 um, and I know, look, some people might... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say disparage the path that they've taken to an Ulster final by virtue of beating three Division One teams, and obviously maybe the charge may maybe that the other side of the draw is a lot more difficult. But Armagh did what they had to do, and they did it very convincingly after maybe a disappointing league campaign. Yeah, well, that's facts. Like when the draw was made, that was the you know we probably expected when the draw was made back then we'd be facing if we if it went to plan you'd be facing Donegal in a semi final other and down, but. It was very much a, a, a lopsided draw, like, you know, when the provincial draws were made. So it was seen as a good opportunity. And even before a ball was kicked, you're like, if Armagh don't get to another final, it'll be a disappointing campaign. So they've done what they've needed to do. Antrim was always going to be a, we're getting a bit of dirty diesel out of the system. Cavan, they were very comfortable and then decided to, to hold their position. And they've done that relatively comfortably, bar one, one moment where Rain O'Neill made that save. And then yesterday, they were entirely comfortable. They were actually much more comfortable than I expected them to be. Um, Like, there was no sense of peril whatsoever at any stage yesterday. Even when Down started and got the first couple of shots away and just the first, I think, two of their first three drifted wide and you were just sort of sensing at that stage, Down really needed to go three or four points up. Uh, Armagh, you know, I know they weren't all intended to drop short, but there were, there was a lot of high kicks in and you're wondering what a couple of question marks over Derry under the high ball. Was that a bit of a, a maybe a tactic and a bit of sharpening for the Ulster final? But they're they're a massive team. Like they're when you look at Mernon and O'Neill and all, and and there's some big men and and McPartland drops into the square times too. It's a tactic that they're right to use, especially with the with the square ball rule change. They're probably one of the the best teams in the country for being able to take advantage of that. I I thought they were I thought they were pretty good to be honest. I thought they had a lot more in them. If, they needed a couple more goals. I think they would have been able to get it. Um, I think Rian O'Neill's finish was very clever. The keeper took a step to the right, but Rian hasn't hit the ground running this year. I think he'd be the first to say that. He's had the entry, and you're thinking that might be the goal, maybe just to get him really, really going again because they'll need all that and more against Derry because they haven't really been tested in the championship bar five minutes against Cavan. So... It's still a bit of an unknown about them at the moment, but just just a note on Andrew Mernon, and I, and I hope he's fit for the Ulster final because I think inside the county we've known for years, but he's got a run of games this year, and I think the country's just seeing just how good that lad is. He was exceptional again, yes, he's been absolutely exceptional all year, and I I really hope for neutrals and Armagh fans alike that he's fit for the final. Were you impressed with Armagh yesterday, uh, Lee? Um, it just felt they were way more slicker and clinical. Um, and every time, like you could see, probably that development were down operating Division Three versus Armagh. Uh, they just looked a bit more sharper. And like 
I do agree. I, I think Andrew Merlin just brings a whole new dynamic to that Armagh attack. I think he's a brilliant focal point for them. Um, like they went high with a lot of balls, but he's he's also brilliant at making that left to right run or right to left, you know, and he wins out in front and he, he slips the guy off the run. So I thought they they just looked they looked to cut above um down throughout the game. And then even towards the end, they just wanted to kill the game, slow it down. I think Ethan Rafferty's become more a possession man now. He must touch the ball more than any outfield player at this rate. Um but again, it's just that that evolution that that I have, and they find a little bit of groove. You know, we were very probably negative around their performances in the league, uh, and where they're going to go from there. I thought they they've built nicely, uh, and they're going to those to find with huge confidence. I I do think Rian Neal is going to be key to that. I do fully agree with that. Where where to play him? Do you play him up top with Mernon? Do you play him a centre forward? I think that'll be a big question for them. Um, but they just they look they look good here, saying they look full of confidence, and I think that's going to really. Sharpen Derry's approach to the, to the Ulster final in a couple of weeks and it's going to make up for a cracking game. They seem to have a bit of depth now as well, Arma, and can cope with injuries, suspensions, any losses, Michael. And, you know, I suppose, like, is this the perfect run to an Ulster final in some ways in that maybe they won't get a huge amount of credit because of the teams that they've accounted for? They'll probably be going in as underdogs, even though they were in a division above Derry. Plus the fact, look, they're taking on the defending Ulster champions. So you would probably argue Derry have maybe that little bit more experience. So I'm out potentially underdogs going in. Nice position from Geezer, I would suggest. It is now that they're there. Like, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, their record notes are so poor that you couldn't have taken anything for granted, really. I mean, yeah. the Antrim game aside, I mean, I think the Cavan one was really sticking out was the one that might catch them up. But then, as Niall said, they've managed everything very well. And yesterday... They didn't look in, in 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 any sort of real difficulty. The goals, obviously, like when you're playing against a team who set up like down, once you're scoring goals, you're sorted, really. So like they were they were fine. I thought that probably two of the goals, maybe even three, were avoidable from a down point of view. So they're going to be really frustrated at that, I would have thought. Um, but you're right, the depth is good. Like I've been a little bit of an RMA skeptic over the last few years, just from the point of view that I just don't I didn't it was the depth thing. And also the fact that it just seemed that when it was really put up to them, particularly in Ulster, that they kind of just didn't get it done. So there was just always that doubt for me about them as serious contenders for anything. Um, but in fairness, this year, I, I um, the league and the league performances obviously raised their own question marks and so on. But they look very controlled and and they're looking good shape. Um. I would have liked to have seen if I would like to have seen if Donegal had kind of got it together this year, how they would have gone against them. But look, that's not Armagh's problem. They're in now against a team that's really going to put it up to them yeah. and really test what they're all about in every which way. So we'll probably know a good bit more about it. They're exactly where I'm sure they're exactly where they want to be. I mean, I know that Kieran McKeever, it's, it's got an awful lot of air. Like you know, Kieran McKeever making the point early, even before the championship, I think it was that they weren't really focused on an Ulster final, and they weren't focused on winning. Uh, winning an Ulster title wasn't really on a, a high, a very important thing to them. That's exactly what I'd be saying if I wanted to win an Ulster title as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's just yeah. it was so patently, blatantly obvious. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. else are Armagh going to go for? Quite frankly, yeah. like, I mean, they're not they're not in the top four or five teams to win an All Ireland. They may get to a semi final. But like if you were pitting them against any of the top four, you'd be saying they're underdogs. They've they've had such a they've had such a poor record notes for over the years, and Kieran McGee has been manager for quite a long time now. And what's the point in playing at this stage only to bloody win things? Like it can't be like you're not going to be telling you're not going to be telling your grandkids on the porch about the process. 
years later. Well, we, you know what? We we improved a little bit every year. Did you not? No, we didn't. Like you're you're going. They need an Ulster title. The, the they need thing, an Ulster title. The other thing about it, Mick, is if they lose, um, they go into part two, which yeah. more than likely, more than likely, if we're going by the odds, will be. Sligo, uh, Clare and uh, Loud, who they won't yeah. be able to draw. And part two is, is almost certainly going to be extremely, or the weakest yeah. of the four by probably a distance. So, you know, there's, there's, there's that side of it too. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know how much that is coming into plans, like, but there's extra incentive there for this final. They could pull, I, they, 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 they could pull like a, a, a Dublin, Mayo, um and so some of them and they say Kildare who, who might yeah. be up for it, you know, and suddenly you're like, <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah, look, I, I, they'll, they'll have to, they'll go hammer and tongs. No, they'll give Derry, jeez, like I mean, Derry will get tested. I mean, sure, as was mentioned there. I mean, again, Monaghan brought almost nothing the last that I thought against Derry. I was very disappointed with Monaghan. Um, but the goals, I mean, they did score goals, and again, Armagh will, I'm sure, will have a look at how those goals were scored. Yeah. And they yeah. more than have the players to trouble Derry from that point of view. What did you, D- D- Derry Monaghan? Uh, some people maybe felt a little bit disappointed with Monaghan and the, the fact that like they didn't really get to the pitch of things in the way that they did the, uh, two weeks ago against Tyrone Lee. And nah. you know, like after the high of knocking Tyrone out, they find themselves at exactly the same stage now in the in the All Ireland race. So you know, they look, look you know, they look they look tired. They just look flat here, sir. Uh, and we know, I think we associate Derry with massive energy. Um, I think with Derry is like they, they they run hard. They like the thing I like about Derry is they actually they put numbers in attack. They're not afraid to go in threes, fours, fives, and you know they empty out. So I think <clears throat> they're always going to bring that high energy game. And Monaghan just couldn't live with it. Um, you look at the age profile in Monaghan, and and probably the Tyrone game took a lot out of them. Um, they probably never. Fully recovery from victory over that, and uh, that was a huge game for them. So, listen, they had the safety blanket as well. I mean, it was a game. I'm sure they wanted the win, but Derry just looked in full control for a minute one. To be honest, um, like I was really impressed with Conor McCluskey. I think the IQ of Derry is quite good. I do agree with Rory Gallagher. Like he lined up McManus and John. You know, we wouldn't associate Manzi with with um defending, but you know it just shows where the Derry guys are thinking. They're they're thinking the right way. What what's the right decision? What to do? So. I was quite impressed with them, albeit I didn't think they needed to reach top gear either. Uh, so there's a bit left in them. The one thing I do agree, and I think Armagh will, will look at that, is eight goals in three games. Mm. And for all the defensive structure and, and the bodies that back, that's not a good return in terms of defence. So they're going to have to look at that because Armagh will definitely try and exploit that next day, be it high ball or try something a bit different. And it's definitely an area of concern for um for Derry. But also just to... I suppose the big thing for Derry is, is a lot of their big players seem to be playing well. Shane McGuigan hit nine points last day. Connor Glass looked good with Brendan Rogers. Uh, like I'm tired looking at Rogers because he never stops running. Um, <laughs> he's like the marathon man. Like he just he's he's just a phenomenal athlete. And as well, the beauty about Derry is they, they brought on Kieran McFall the last day, who's a massive player for them. Joe, you know, I, I played against him for a couple of years and he was brilliant. So they've added a little bit of depth to that to that squad as well. So They'll go in in full confidence against Derry, or sorry, Armagh, um, and I think it'll be a cracking game. Two sides that'll really go at it. Um, I do think there's a bit more pressure in Armagh, if I'm being honest, for silverware. I do agree with that. I think either has been there, what, 10 years now, and and probably hasn't anything much to show over in terms of silverware. So I, I do agree with Michael around that. There's no point talking about process and, and building and, and getting a squad to, 
to talk about nothing in the, in the CV. So I think it's a huge game for Matt to get something out of in terms of silver and just tick that box. So a first Ulster final since since 2008, actually, yeah. that doesn't feature Tyrone Monaghan or Donegal. Mm. And uh, maybe that's a good omen for Armagh. But we'll just finish up now, guys. And I do think it's important for us to just reflect very quickly on this draw. The fact that the draw is actually taking place in advance of the provincial finals. Is there an integrity question here around? I don't, I don't think it's, listen, it's not going to, I don't think any team's going to be throwing matches or anything. I just don't understand why they're doing it. Um, like, I just don't understand why they can't. But I see Mick has his hand up there. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> no, 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 you're okay. I just actually hear someone coming in behind me. That's <laughs> I, I thought you were just going to rip That's probably, no, that's no, no. Nick, that's probably actually, the CCC. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'll be back in one second, one second. Sorry, one yeah, second. Yeah, it's, it's just that... Uh, I just don't next Tuesday. Why why not do it next Tuesday? Like it's I uh, mm. I don't see like it's maybe maybe short preparation time, maybe the counties want to leave it extra time to prepare, like but I just don't I just don't. It's I'm just it's raising the question when it's raising that integrity question, Rory, when it doesn't need to be raised. Mm, uh, I don't think it's gonna manifest in anything. I don't think Dublin, for example, are gonna throw a Lancer final if they think they've got an easier route. I don't think I think these teams in the Lancer final, the favourites anyway, are going to feel they're going to get through with whatever, whatever group. And with three teams coming out there, two in the preliminary quarterfinals anyway, it's probably not a huge thing. I just I just go back and say away. I don't really get it. And just on, like, uh, part three, I just think is the most interesting part of probably the whole tournament when that eventually does but I mean to have Mayo Roscommon Tyrone and Monaghan all in that awesome. in that in it's 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 fascinating now I think it's it's great too to a certain extent that they can draw each other but uh it will make that draw very interesting because I think it's seed one versus seed three in the very first match which will probably be a provincial champion up against one of those teams yeah and I think if you're seed three even losing that game is not necessarily the end of the world uh, because you look at C2 and 4, to, and to a lesser extent, I'm not just but like you, you target those games, you know, pretty well. And, and, and like, the thing is, as long as you don't get a hammer in that first game, and th- those teams are all Division 1 teams, essentially, so they're going to be playing a Division 1 team predominantly. So, I mean, it's going to be a cracking game, first off, but, you know, you look at the groups in general, C2 and 4 would receive as the weaker seed. So you can still plan and prep your group stage probably pretty well uh, as one of the kind of top guns or top seeds. So, but yeah, just back to the this, the thing. I mean, I would have loved to see the the draw take place next week or the following, just for excitement reasons alone. I know it gives teams time prep and all that. That's that's great and that's lovely here. But like, just for the bit of excitement and drama, like you know, they have it on the week of, of entering into the group stage. It would have been a bit of crack, you know. And then you get that kind of fever then for championship coming up and into the main stage of championship. So like, probably disappointing from that aspect. I would have, even as a player, though no one sometimes is more exciting. You know, you're going to that week still not known and. Training is going to be a bit of fun and all of a sudden now you're prepping straight away. Uh, mm-hmm. And all this that you going through your head is that one team. I think sometimes the no one can be just a bit more, a bit of an X factor and a bit more fun in training as well. Is there, Mick, a- Mick, can I ask you, right, as somebody now who would be very keenly uh, in tune with competition structures and the history of it all? I wouldn't say keenly. Right? Is there a <laughs> danger? Is, 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 there, is, there, is there a danger, and we'll finish on this, that we've bloated it to a degree and the we're going to play 100 million matches to end up with the same answer 
to the question that we all asked at the beginning of the year is who can win this? And no matter what format we came up with, it'll probably be Galway Mayo, Kerry Dublin, potentially in the last four. You might have a Derry thrown into the mix there. Um, it just sometimes feels like we're going a very long way around yeah. to get to an answer that we all kind of know anyway. Yeah, that's the definition of a TED talk, I think. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think, um, I, I think, I, I think I could probably do a TED talk on on exactly that yeah. that 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 topic at this point. Um, look, I think, oh God, like it all comes back to the provinces, you know, and mm. sort of you're trying to say, okay, we've done the province bit, and now we're trying to do what people want, which is pit teams of equal ability against each other. And see them in white hot action, as it were, and that's uh, that's that's part of it. And then, I mean, in fairness to the GA on this one, because um, I was the same. I was looking at these quarter, these preliminary group, whatever, and going, Jesus, this is long. Yeah. But the the point they make is that every it, the way they've structured it is that every single game will now count for something in that group. There are no dead rubbers. So when it gets up and running. It probably will feel like there's 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 more at stake, um, than we kind of perceive now. You're right. Well, I mean, it's the nature of competitions anyway. Like, should we yeah. all know the top four teams? And then it's after that you're kind of going, well, let's see who 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 can if we get a bolter. And what happens with injuries and stuff, especially with Gaelic football and and, and hurling, obviously as well. But Gaelic football, you know, well, hurling in fairness, I think hurling just cuts to the chase. They just have all the, do. You know, you know. I mean, what I mean more so is that I suppose when you're dealing with amateur sports, playing a high volume of games. Yeah. Uh, one after the other, you're going to get injuries, and again, it comes back to the squad thing and who's got the strong squad. I think it's 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 the whole thing is flawed. The whole structure is flawed, but I think part of that, I part of it is it's not that it's an intentional flaw, but that they've built in the reality that this is flawed to show people, to for, can provoke people to ask questions. Well, why is it flawed? And once you figure out why it's flawed, we can work back from that. Why it's flawed? Because it's still linked to the provinces. So when you work, when you work back to that point, you can you can start to go, okay, well, if we get rid of this bit, or we kind of just downplay this bit a bit more and focus on this and make it more streamlined and do all the things that you you know make it less like we're playing loads of games to get the same couple of teams out. Um, then you get somewhere. This yeah. is a stepping stone. This whole thing is a stepping stone to another championship. So as it stands, I think it's a it's. But what it is, it's going to be very interesting next few weeks. It's going, as I said, no dead rubbers. That first, like one versus three, yeah, is going to be class. Brilliant. Like you could have Dublin Mayo, yeah. you could have you could have Kerry Tyrone first day out. And in keeping with the right. hurling, you're going to want to win your first game. Yeah, it's going to be, and it's going to be. It's that it's going to be a home game for the provincial champion, right? Correct. You could have Mayo down. You could have for the provincial champion. You could have you yeah. Could you, have could have, you could have Galway playing Mayo. You could you could have Tyrone going down to Killarney like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be good you know whatever uh, way yeah. it feels I think when it actually gets up and running and we do it it's going to be a bit of crack you know yeah. uh, looking forward to it and thanks very much again guys appreciate the time this morning uh, two provincial finals think about that the sixth of May next weekend and we've got the Connacht final and the Munster yeah. football final and that's just the way it is but look. There'll be something in those games, I'm sure, when we get there. Just want to say thanks to Shane earlier, thanks to Michael Foley, Sunday Times, to Lee, to Niall, to Owen Ryan. And um, yeah, we'll see you again on Thursday. We'll have a little bit of a preview. We'll look, look ahead to Cork Tip 
I have to get Shane on for that one, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, and a couple of provincial finals to look forward to as well. Until then, thanks a million. Slán. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it, he hits it, it's over the bar!